we don't have a bit. <laughs> we just had a full conversation in which I sort of vented a lot of energy at these fine folks um, because I didn't hit record. <laughs> because I didn't hit record. Um, I'm never going to learn. I'm oh, never going to learn. Jasper um, got his rabies shot yesterday and he just like, he's so he's like lethargic. And so he's like, he's staying in his cubby and he just like walked past me, looked at me, went, I'm going back to bed. Oh. <laughs> Poor baby. When I got Nancy fixed, she when we got back to the apartment, she crawled out of her cat carrier, gave me a look that could have killed a dead person, and then crawled under the bed and didn't come out for like six hours. <laughs> it was great. She's also really mad right now because we're moving. Again, un- already unexpectedly, now extra unexpectedly. So she's like pacing the apartment um, like she's looking for the ghost of Hamlet's father. It's a oh, lot. No. And um, it's, it's a lot. And then every once in a while, she'll just, she'll decide that like, I don't know, time travel. And, sh- and all of a sudden Tom is a threat again. And she'll just go like ape shit because Tom is around, even though they're buds now. It's, it's been a lot. Welcome to Sawston Austin, the Podlander Drunk Cast podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That is Janine. Hi. And we are joined today, I'm so excited about this, by my colleague at RogerEbert.com and the AV Club, Roxana Haddadi. Hi, Roxana. Hey. Hello, guys. Uh, I am so stoked to talk about this movie with you um, because, I mean, I'm stoked to talk about any movie with you. And this is the first time we've had a non-Twitter conversation. Which yes. Real life. I yeah, know. It's, it's amazing. Wild. Past yeah. due. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this movie with you because I feel like... A lot of the thing, a lot of your reviews I love reading most are of mixed bags. You're really good at like, here are the upsides, here are the downsides. Let's celebrate the good things and let's acknowledge the bad things without feeling the need to like, um, to see plus it in Rotten Tomatoes terms where it's like, <laughs> I want to make sure that this is rated fresh. Um, right? Like you're, you're very, yes. very good at seeing the whole picture, I think. Thank you. Um, movies pun. And this is definitely a mixed bag <laughs> of a movie because on the one hand, you've got Lena Headey's eye patch. And on the other, you've got the most boring Darcy that ever Darcy. At least, <laughs> yes, that's really heavy. That's, that's really very extremely heavy. an extremely hot Darcy, but a fairly boring Darcy. Ooh, I, see, I don't think he's hot. I didn't think oh, he was all that. Oh, hot. I think he's hot, but I think he's hot in the way that, like, I'm still 15, and I thought <laughs> that like any goth guy was hot. So yes. I think it's just okay. yeah. that that hair yeah. swoop. That hair swoop was just like like. Primo, uh, what was the third <laughs> Harry Potter film? Third yeah. Harry Potter film? Yeah. If yeah. I time travel to my bright eyes listening days, <laughs> yeah. then all of a yeah. sudden he's like 200% right. hotter. Yeah. That's like a really if, good I point. Still, if I still needed like a Connor Oberst in my life, then like, yeah. <laughs> but true. like, I don't anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although no. I still do. I still really like bright eyes. So, like, <laughs> yes. I take oh. that back. <laughs> oh, every once in a while. But I'm not thinking, I'm not like writing in my journal about bright eyes anymore. Right. I'm not like daydreaming about waifs, but still, I do I'm, like the outfits. I I'm, like the outfits. I like the outfits too. And I am sometimes daydreaming about waifs. Yeah. I still the person I was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're always still the person we were at 15. We're just also yeah. other things. Yeah. Uh, I spend more time now daydreaming about men in ponds. <laughs> You can't help it. We've got a lot of input in that arena. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of dudes get Ooh. wet. Men in ponds. Uh, it's great. Um, speaking of men in ponds, I don't have anything to announce here yet, but there's like a little there's a little project in the works 
that's a that's a bit of a crossover between yield sauced in Austin and uh, redacted my Chicago joint, which is not doing anything currently because there's a pandemic. Um, but but there might be some there might be some men in ponds in the in the future in that arena. So that's what? I know I'm stoked with friend of the show Amelia Bazell. It would be really fun. So we'll see. Oh, um, anyway, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Uh, Roxana, you rewatched it recently. I did. I um, did. Julie and Janine, I almost called you Aaron. You were both seeing it for the first time, correct? Yep. Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. I watched it and rewatched it like Roxana, but that was a week ago. And for these two, it was a week ago as well. So you're the freshest on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Give me, give me your, your general thoughts about it as a cinematic <laughs> experience. I, so what I remember is that I actually really liked it and I still actually really like it, which was a little shocking because I wondered like, have I become more cynical in these past few years? And like, will I not be swayed by the heaving bosoms and the decaying (laughs) aristocrats, but I still really enjoy it. And I think it is at, in its best moments, completely tongue in cheek and self-aware and very willing to do the goofiest things to make the movie work Mm. in terms of like this four horsemen of the zombie apocalypse. And like, well, like we talked about Lena Headey's eye patch and this idea of like, everything needs to go to like a sexually charged dueling space. So I think, you know, like I think that it could have been if it, if it had almost tried to be more, sincere in updating the Austin stuff for a more modern time, I don't think it would have worked. But I think because it still sticks to a lot of that, like, Austin analysis of, like, economic class and social class and social striving and all that stuff, it just also happens to have the lingering thread of zombies. I think it threads the needle surprisingly well. Um... (laughs) But I also love that they really thought this would get a sequel. Like that felt sort of adorable to me. Like it's like, like I like this well enough, but like you're really gonna do like a mid credits sequel sequence. That mid credit sequence got a got a capitalist rant out of me. Like I was just so oh, angry. Really? Yeah. I was so mad at it. I was yeah. like, what the hell? We yeah. put so capitalist fucking Easter cat dickholes. Anyway, yeah, I'm that moment. Um, yeah. I'm first of all, you describing this movie is the way you're describing it is the movie that I wanted it to be, and that I f- <laughs> that I think it almost was. Nearly. But when you said heaving bosoms and decaying aristocrats, I was like, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> uh, and at, the, at its best, you're totally right. That is what it's doing. Um, and then also sometimes it's like a very sweaty George Wickham at the head of a band of zombies going full Walking Dead at a double wedding, um, and that is m- like maybe not so much, m- maybe not so much my bag. Um, but the de- but the decay aristocrats i think that's what really stuck out to me this time and and the literal eating of the rich and i know that that is probably uh mostly a reaction to this moment when i saw this when it came out i'm sure that i got like a little um eat the richie but not nearly the point where i was like yes bring them down um where you're sort of rooting for the zombies like it's that that was a that was a new experience Mm mm-hmm 
I do almost think that's a good point. It's like it doesn't go far enough into thinking maybe all these people should be feasted upon. <laughs> like it's it doesn't it doesn't go that far, which I do think is a failure of the text though. Because if you really wanted to, you could really make this into like a they all deserve to be annihilated and like zombies should rule this world <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. They could have done that. But the fact that they don't, I think is because like you want to stick to the Austin text and it's like, mm, you could have gone further with it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good point. That is ultimately, I think a failure of it is that it goes like it fun places with these tropes, but it doesn't fundamentally change pride and prejudice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i think you know like we're it's 2021 you know i mean i know this was like years ago but like we can change austin right like can't we please (laughs) a little bit we can certainly add zombies yeah Mm -hmm. why not i mean i think i think you're right that we're at a point and this is about to touch on another subject i wanted to address um with all of you which is that uh it's interesting to see people reclaim things that are beloved and sort of alter their viewpoint in a fundamental way. And some of that is just, whoa, it's in the public domain. Let's go nuts. And some of it I think is really interesting. Like little women, which was a big hit. Oh my God. Two years ago. now. Uh, Don't say that again. Uh, That was rude. That was rude. Sorry. In 20, in 29, in the before times. Um, (laughs) Wow. Before they dug the trench around London. Um, <laughs> that, that was when we, uh, we were all in love with Little Women. Um, but one of the things that I really admire about uh, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of that is that there's this ambiguous sort of, or not so ambiguous in my perspective, um, framing device about Louisa May Alcott attempting to sell Little Women, um, which puts the things that are already exist in Louisa May Alcott's story into sharper relief, right? Like issues of gender and economics and all of that stuff, I think comes out more prominently than it does when you read the book. And I fucking love the book, right? But what, reading the book is like, Beth dies. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry if I spoil it for you. Um, it's the, the only funny joke in Friends, um, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> maybe not, that's not true. But it is one of the best Friends jokes. Um I completely lost my train of thought because I started thinking about Jennifer Aniston saying Beth dies to Joey, (laughs) um, which is just, it's the best. Anyway, uh, remixing things and adapting things. And um, how successfully do you think taking Jane Austen and horror works here? I, I don't think it's ever scary. You know, like I don't think it actually works as a horror. I think it works as like a horror comedy. Like it sort of reminds me of like warm bodies or like Mm -hmm. any other thing that was taking zombies into like a fun place rather than a scary place. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Shaun of the dead. But I think that in terms of like actual fear, I'm never afraid, which is why mid credit sequence is like such a joke. Cause like, (laughs) it's not like, it's not scary. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are not scary to me. And I think that there is always something if you wanted to make this argument low-key problematic about the fact that the zombie plague came from the colonies, like, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that in terms of using, 
like the things that go along with horror in terms of like there's an existential and a literal threat and like your communities become more bonded together as a result of like that outside force like i think that it takes those sort of tropey things we've seen about zombies and uses them to also tell this story about like i'm in this class and you're not and therefore our paths can never cross Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's ever actually scary and i think in that way it's like i almost hesitate to call it a horror right Mm -hmm. Hmm. what do you think julie and aaron janine who's aaron i don't know where's that guy coming from uh i will my is Shaun of the dead not that's considered a comedy right oh it is it's horror comedy yeah Yeah. but then i would definitely put this i agree completely me too yeah (laughs) Completely. They're they're kind of a shambling, funny, like just bash their head in with a cricket bat, funny, like, and it doesn't feel like a real threat, you know. Right? And yeah. also, and this, I think this is what feeds into my my rant about um, the rich, because Roxanne, I'm curious like, what you think, who who you think the villain is uh, in this mm. in this movie, because we had this is this is what inspired that rant for <laughs> me and Julie, because we. Um, I think we took out the villain as someone different than what the movie was trying to imply. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the movie wants you to think that Richard Harrow is the villain. Um, Wickham. Custon. Yeah, Wickham. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually think that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I th- we think Darcy was the villain because yeah. he's the one that let everybody go. He's yeah. The one, like, he brought people, this. Yeah, he was like, he took the last bit of humanity they had. He made yeah. that conscious choice. I was like, oh, you motherfucking rich dickhole. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, because I think, like, if you really wanted to, like, what are they, you know, like, they're all being very reactionary right. to the fact that, like, these people <laughs> have been turned into zombies. <laughs> like, can't you have, like, a little bit of empathy and just, like, let them eat like pig brains or whatever and yeah. like you know like who like who cares like you have a castle and like you're somehow still rich enough for this like beautiful black leather duster just like <laughs> let them it's like eat this, the pig brains it's this weird argument of herd immunity it's like no we just need to let them die let's let just let them die and it's like mother yeah fucker <laughs> yeah no i don't disagree with that oh i mean i think God. you know and i think like even reading pride and prejudice as its own text like i'm still like yeah darcy like you could have given him some more money like who cares <laughs> yeah is that hurting you <laughs> right no. like, you're still fine you're still like, you have thousands of pounds like whatever but yeah and i think that's sort of a good point about that mid credit sequence is now it takes it into this place where like all of humanity is at risk and like you're men- <laughs> that's like wickham and his weird spiky baseball arm that he now has <laughs> but like <laughs> in the of this i forgot about that it's hilarious and terrible oh. um but yeah you would just let the zombies stay like docile and like doing whatever they were doing then like you guys also could have kept doing whatever you were doing but you had to maintain this strict division between essentially the rich and the privileged and the dying and the diseased. And here we are. I'm with you in that when they started with the explanation of just feeding them pig brains to keep them, whatever. It's like, oh, end of movie. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, like if they made, if they discovered that on The Walking Dead, yeah, just, end of oh, show, great. right? <laughs> okay. Like, like what's his face? His mom would still be alive, and he'd still have an eye. And I think that kid is dead now. Is that kid dead now? He's dead now. He's dead. He's dead. Okay, so yeah, like all of yeah. that. John Bernthal could still be on the show. Like that's a, if <laughs> they had just fed them pick brains. Um, I think that that's a really good point because the movie sort of. It introduces this idea in a scene that I think is actually, if not scary, at least suspenseful, which is when Lizzie is very mad at the party. So she storms out because she's so mad at the party. And then Dolly Wells, character actor Dolly Wells of Can You Ever Forgive Me and many other things, strolls up with her half a face missing to have a nice chat with Elizabeth, right? <laughs> and that is genuinely unsettling and cool. And then Darcy fucking kills her. Just yeah. So we don't find out. And that head. is where I was like, oh no, see, this is, we need to, we need a new approach because there's this other information. There's something going on. We need to know what that is. And in the version of the movie that's more like Battlestar Galactica, then it becomes about the zombies that are sentient and that have learned to feed themselves on things that are not humans and all of that stuff versus the rich dicks. And then <laughs> that is interesting and where Lizzie is stuck in the middle. And then it just, Nope, it's best to kill zombies. After Lizzie spends the whole movie being like, you probably shouldn't just kill this person without checking to see if they're a zombie first. Like, this is your best friend, and he just hit his head. Um, he didn't get bit by a zombie. He hit his head. Probably shouldn't murder him. That's my sister. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> Please don't kill her. You probably shouldn't murder her. Here, have your dead flies. What a sick oh, bird. fucking flies. What a dick that guy is. <laughs> Yeah, like, and oh. I do. I do almost wish that they. And I'm not like I don't always want like a ton of backstory, but I wish that there was like a better distinction between what makes Darcy such an asshole <laughs> versus like <Yes. laughs> like versus the sisters and like how there are various approaches to like dealing with zombies or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like it is the the movie and I think the source text are both not interested in that. Like they're really <laughs> interested. And like, how would these people train and then fight zombies? How hot would it be if they, if these women wore like gun holsters and like daggers <laughs> and stuff under their dresses? And that's all very like stylish and fun or whatever, but it doesn't hold up to much scrutiny. No. Like any scrutiny, like I'm, at the, all. None. The answer is pretty hot, but pretty also, hot. yeah, like, yeah. that's hot. not. Yeah. A, mm, Once again, only... the heaving bosoms do <laughs> heave. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. Yeah. Heaving bosoms, cod pieces. The leather duster is like, again, bright eyes. Yeah. Right? It's very like Panic God at the Disco. <laughs> it's I very, also really it's like very, her leather. Yeah. Her leather one. Yeah. Is hot. It's all very Angel season one Buffy. <laughs> and yeah. like... That, yes. was my, yes. that was my formative sexual experience as a child, just being like, men, huh? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, this is, yeah. oh, see, you are perfect. This is a perfect drug cast <laughs> side whatever. Um, Julie, we, I already know one of yours, but let's share for the class. Give me an early sexual awakening in pop culture instance for you. Well, I mean, Pride and Prejudice related, fucking Darcy coming out of the pond. Men no in shit. ponds. Men in ponds. Mm. It yes. was hot as balls and remains so to this day as an ancient woman. I still look at it and feel a stirring below. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's top notch. Spank bank for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 like a quivering in your undercarriage? Fuck yeah. Great. In my barouche box even. <laughs> your barouche box. Ooh. Great. Uh, what about you, Janine? You know, I don't know. 
uh, I don't I don't remember to be honest. I remember things I I remember Saved by the Bell and Kelly Kapowski being quite um, stirring. Quite a dish. Uh, quite a dish. Um, I also remember Silk Stockings, uh, like mm. the opening sequence of Silk Stockings being something where I was S-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-S, like... S-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-S, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Great. Right. Just checking. Uh, and it was, <laughs> it was like, it's it's like this nighttime film that's, or this uh, show that was on USA, um, for anyone who doesn't remember this, it was, and it was just like, you know, uh, crime that was happening that had some sort of like uh, mystique and intimacy concern aspect of it. I never watched the show. All I ever watched was the opening sequence because there's like this woman who's like pulling up her stockings. She's like po- someone's poisoning a champagne bottle of some sort. So and the that, stabby like, garters really did something for you, Aaron. Apparently, man. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. I didn't like lift up it. the skirt and just have a knife right there. Yep. I mean, I'm very into a stabby garter. I mean, I really want to watch Miss Fisher right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That a great fixes point. this movie immediately. If you make it a mystery that an, an ancestor of Miss Fisher's is trying to solve. Yeah. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Maybe Miss Fisher's ancestor is Lizzie Bennett. No, too much. That's too much. <laughs> too too close. <laughs> yeah. She's it's not Antipodean enough. No. Um great. Uh I am gonna say well, I'm surprised Julie didn't say this once. Why well, I'm gonna say um Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins. Okay, you're right. As a young yeah. girl, yes. Yeah, because yeah. man, they yep, both yeah. of them. Wow. Um very nice. Yes, very yep, weird and hot. Um, is it also not Fox Robin Hood for everyone? Oh, for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, because it's I for never me. saw that. I've that never is. seen it. So I don't have I get it though, because I know what he looks like and I've seen the so I, I totally yeah. get that. I mean Mar- Marianne for me and that obviously was Oh like totally a, a babe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my yeah. goodness. Fox we have to do this. Really. <laughs> Ooh, I forgot a really big one for me. And I do not think that this is going to be one for Janine. I'm I doubt it will be one for Julia, but who knows? But I'm gonna I'm gonna bet a nickel. I wish I had a nickel. I'm gonna bet uh, a Funko Target gift card that um I listener, I showed one on the screen. I'm also gonna keep it. I'm moving. I'm gonna need more packaging tape. Um <laughs> but I'm gonna bet that that Roxana might share this one with me. Um which is a tray you <laughs> No, but that's fine. Okay, good. Uh, as long as as long as it's understandable, man. Yeah. Stupid yeah. horse. Like tell me about grief and being like that little boy. I am a yeah. little girl. Yeah. Because important to note, I don't watch the Never Ending Story now and think what a babe. But <laughs> right. Yeah. When I was six, well, I was actually, like an older man. Ooh. Y- you know. I might like, still about Fox Robin Hood. I'm sorry, but I might. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say though, never ending uh, story. Um, the Sphinx statues. Oh yeah, the oh, big boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Something about that. They got me. And when they started falling apart, that was horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a metaphor for aging. Yeah. yeah. I also happening to all of us. Ugh. Really wanted the um, the head necklace. Yeah. Oh yeah, that the princess wore. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's a diadem or some shit, but it's always going to be a head necklace to me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Um, do you, are there other instances of this sort of thing, like popular story everyone knows and here's our fun twist on it, that you think really work? Anybody? Uh, I was trying to think of some, I, because it's not quite just an adaptation, right? Like, in the way that Clueless is Emma, but now, um, 
Right. It would be like if Clueless was Emma, but then, and then also there were zombies. Um, hmm. Anyway, are there other instances of that where you're like, yeah, I think that that is interesting because I'm having a hard time. I'm is it all there. the Muppet movies? I guess so, yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Christmas Carol, a classic. Le- the Lego versions of those movies as well. Oh, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Do you, how much of the original text do you need to have in it or can it be like just complete adaptation but very clearly the same story? You know what I mean? I don't know. What, what like do you Scrooged. Have in mind? Oh. Scrooged. Mm. I think that's a good example. Okay. I do like Scrooged. Then I might say Young Frankenstein. That might be mine. If that's, that's a good part one. of it. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any way for these to be made without some comedy element? Like, I feel like that's great necessary. Question. Mm-hmm. because it does involve kind of the winky knowledge of it being funny and that's part exactly yeah, I agree. like i think it has to be some sort of satire which is also why like a muppet great gatsby would be amazing <laughs> amazing uh, amazing <laughs> without that because then without that satire it seems like it's taking itself too seriously as trying to be an adaptation um mm-hmm. Because then you have like you know Bridget Jones' Diary is obviously a Pride and Prejudice, but it's um, it's not trying to be Pride and Prejudice, and it is a, even still a little. Com- it is obviously comedic and sat- satire, but it's like in stand on its own. If it went too seriously as being more directly Pride and Prejudice, I feel like it might have been criticized differently. Hmm. I'm obviously picking on the thing that is obviously a very good movie, so I'm not trying to say it's not. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's a good point. It's like, I feel like anytime you're doing one of these like super well-known stories, it's like you don't want to walk the line of anybody thinking you're trying to improve it. Like, I feel like that's sort of inviting a whole other slew of negative reaction, which isn't to say, well, I was going to say, which isn't to say that there's like an Austin fandom. But there clearly is, right? I mean, like we live oh, in a yeah. time where everything is a weaponized fandom. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard if you were going to do a straight adaptation to not have somebody say like, oh, you're trying to shit on the original. A perfect example being something like Dune, where like now everybody is constantly pitting the Denis version against the Lynch version. And like both of them are going to have their flaws, I'm sure, including a lack of Middle Eastern representation. I'm sorry. I had to work it in Allison. It's, I'm, I'm really contractually glad you obligated did. to do it everywhere. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that the comedy thing is really important. And Bridget Jones's diary is such a great example because it really mm-hmm. does not take itself too seriously while still fulfilling those themes in the work. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Interesting. But I, I think you're spot on. It's the, the uh, comedy treatment is a really easy way to do it because it's, you're winking at it already. So it's just, it kind of relieves the pressure of someone right. going, do I agree with that choice? Because then once you laugh yeah. at it, you're like, okay, well, it's a joke and I get it. Like I'm, I'm in on the joke. So I feel okay about this process. Mm-hmm. Is there any scary one? Like an actual horror, like that comes from, that got a scarier reboot. You know what I mean? Uh, um, there's one. Candyman might be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we when we inevitably get when it. we ever see yeah. it, I don't. Maybe <laughs> that trailer like... was scarier than a lot of horror movies that I've seen. Have you watched that trailer, Julie and Janine? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, good god, it's horrifying, scary. I'm not yeah. a horror person, so I don't really care. Okay. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like maybe that, maybe Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of uh, Meet Joe Black. There's an f- original version of that that's not very good. 
from like I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's like from uh, early early days of filmmaking. Um, okay. Not very good, and so then they re-upped it, and obviously now it's a little problematic in some places, but also quite steamy. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so the original didn't have Brad Pitt's highlights. What do I... <laughs> yeah, why? It was silver screen, so they wouldn't have gotten the benefits anyway. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have seen that color gradation. Like, I'm not interested in that. Please. <laughs> Those beautiful fireworks and dance scenes at the wedding. Oh, God, just give me that. Just Bridget Claire Forlani's beautiful green eyes. Like, oh, come on, man. God, her in that pool room? Okay, yeah. that's another sexual awakening. That's apparently. another, yeah. yeah. She, I was just thinking, I was like, what happened? to Claire Forlani like she was the girl and I sort of I sort of miss her what mm-hmm. did happen to Claire uh, you know what I'm go- I'm consulting IMDB I think she was TV like I think she was on some FX show maybe mm. did she do American Horror Story did she I don't know I don't, I don't know, so I don't I know if I think I that she it. should or right, she should tell <laughs> I'm like, I mean, if Ryan Murphy likes her, she would have worked for the rest of her life. Yeah. But it's Ryan Murphy work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's, oh, it's always sad when somebody who is like very interesting creatively sometimes, but also a mess reaches the point of their fame where no one tells them when something is a bad idea anymore. And then it's just like all downhill. And I feel like Ryan Murphy crossed that point. A while ago. Did you know that Claire Forlani is British? Yeah. I did not. I did not. Yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in Mystery Men. Okay. She is on TV. What is she on? Oh, and she was in Black Beauty, and she was on Departure, which I don't know anything about. Okay. Um, God, she's been working a lot. Hawaii Five-0, apparently. Okay. Okay. NCIS Los Angeles. She's on shows for adults that I don't watch. (laughs) Yes. Because, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. And then she is on a show called Domina with Liam Cunningham. And it is not, and Isabella Rossellini. Okay. And it is oh. not out yet. I'm interested. Yeah. yeah. There's literally no other information. It just says drama really... history. <laughs> oh, okay. I really wanted it to be that she's like playing a dominatrix because I would watch Me that. too. <laughs> but like yeah. Roman, any drama set in Rome or like antiquity like that, I'm all in. Oh, yeah. Boy. I want mm-hmm. poisoning, a lot mm-hmm. of satin, I gardens. Want- I want the, beautiful fountains, the beautiful yeah. like uh, like the picture west. Like I don't know. I'm just thinking of um, Spartacus, uh, Blood in the Sand, where like that show mm. just was like everyone at this time was probably naked. Like everyone, like we just didn't have the yeah. same type of decorum. Yeah, so I also like that part of those mm-hmm. type yeah. of stories. I want like open robes and also like beautiful stonework where I'm yes. like, could I yes. do this? Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't, but I want to pretend that I could. Yeah. yeah. I love it when a TV show is like, here's a collection of hot people. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Category fictional. Um, Because obviously that's a whole subgenre of reality television as well. Um, But you got to respect movies too. When they're like, this is a collection of good looking people who are all reasonably talented. Maybe this is going to work. Maybe it's not. But everyone's pretty. Like I always enjoy that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's good. This is definitely one of those. Speaking of people who are pretty, where do we stand on... The Lily James phenomenon. How are we on on Lily James as a Lizzie? How are we on Lily James in general? I don't know enough about her. I think she was pretty and she was good in the fight sequences. Yeah. So I'm like, good job. You're pretty and you did a good job fighting. Thanks. That's all. I 
I liked Lily James, and I'm willing to forgive her for Rebecca because I think its <laughs> problems were larger than her. Yup. Yeah. I mean, I think she's fun, and like, I don't really like this word because I think it could be infantilizing, but I think she's spunky a lot mm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that has served her well in this and Mama Mia and like a lot of the other stuff that she does. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand what was going on with Dominic West. Still don't understand what was happening there. <laughs> but um, I mean, good for you, Lily. Keep on working. Yep. Just, I don't know. Stay away from the married men, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Especially maybe that one, if he's going to then leave a note on a bush about it. But don't you feel like, you know what, though? I can't say that because don't you feel like that rakish energy would sort of like win you over? Oh, probably. I mean, he's definitely a Mr. Wickham for sure. Yeah. Like, I think he would wink at me and I'd be like, okay. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like, I I don't know. I feel like I would fall for it. Yeah. So fair. Respect. Uh, Yeah. I agree. Um, another important question. Uh, is Matt Smith hot? No. No. This is, su- this is such a question that comes up all the time. I love how divisive this is. Not to, I mean, it's all personal opinion, right? I do not find him attractive. Not one bit. But do you find him unattractive? Kind of. Oh. I, I don't know. Not, nah. He's kind of in that weird gray zone where I'm just like, I don't even think about it. Oh, that's almost worse. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. He's he's a non-entity to me. I didn't start watching The Crown until he was gone. Like, it was like that. Oh, wow. Man, you missed out on Claire Foy. Speaking of great Claire's with pretty eyes. I saw some episodes. She was amazing. But I just can't look at him. Like, I just like. I just can't look at him. It's so harsh. I don't mean it to be that harsh, but it, it makes me think about why is there this gray area where I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh, Julie, you know what? That calls for some December coffee. Hold on. You have you mm-hmm. have some sort of perception filter on him. Where it's yes, like, I, I do. I can't perceive him. No, yeah. I will not perceive this doctor. No, no. <laughs> my um, my partner calls it like white man facial blindness, where he mm-hmm. just like can't tell other white men apart. And I think that Matt Smith is very much in that realm. I can see that. Can yeah. See that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when he plays scary, I don't buy it. Like he was the villain in Lost River, Ryan Gosling's one and only directorial movie, and mm-hmm. I remember being like, I don't buy this. Like, I don't think this is real. Yeah, yeah, but just, he, he was, just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, but I thought he was fine in this. I like, I think was, he was. He's a great. Collins, Collins is the Cadillac part. Yeah, for a like, man. Yeah, right. That's the funniest. Amusing. He yeah. did okay. He's, yeah. Ban- nobody's ever going to top David Bamber uh, ever. The dancing, yeah. <laughs> Respectfully, I submit oh for God. your consideration. The da- not he is not my favorite Collins, but the the dancing, the, that, the was leap. Funny. That was that very day yes. on set. You know what everyone in that room was doing? Trying not to laugh. He was probably <laughs> yeah. just fucking hamming it up so hard in a room of like fifty to hundred people. <laughs> you know what? That's a really good point because I was thinking if I were in that situation, if that was if I was the director or the DP or whoever it is that's calling the shots that day, I'd be like, "Can we do 
one more take. Please <laughs> make him do it again. Just please make him do it again. Matt, like, do it again. Just do it again. Can you? He, I just want this part. Just do it again. But a little bit different this time. He strikes me as the kind of guy that, that's that is very aware that he's like hitting the right mark and everyone's trying not to show him. And so like he would yeah. just like amp it up every single time. Yep. Uh, yeah. That um, would be very difficult oh, to God. stand around without laughing. It like, would be if Jimmy Fallon was anywhere nearby. It would be a total disaster. Over. It's one of those oh. situations. Wasted film. First of all, Jimmy Fallon's in this movie. Tear it mm. up. James yeah. Thomas Fallon. Get out. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was something going around Twitter where it was like, he. did you guys see this where it was like Marty Scorsese playing some game with him on his talk show? And I was like, can I get a version that is only Marty? Like that isn't <laughs> Fallon? That's why Although I didn't Fallon's watch it. Although it's Fallon's show, like... Yeah, it's exhausting. Yep. It's very tiring. Every once in a while, there'll be some Tonight Show interview I really want to watch, and then I will attempt to cue it up to whenever he is done talking. Like, I will I will watch any Anne Hathaway, sorry, Annie Hathaway interview on anything ever. She is extremely charming. I just, and I root for her. I want good things for Annie Hathaway. So when she is on The Tonight Show, I'm like, great, hold on. I'm going to skip to two minutes and 36 seconds and just see where we're at. <laughs> And then there'll be a question. I'll be like, I'm just going to skip ahead. I'm going to, I just want to listen to her talk about RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm not here for your stuff. I just want mm-hmm. the RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, is Justin yeah. Timberlake here? Great. I'm going to skip ahead. Um, <laughs> skip ahead to when something else is happening. Great. What are the chances that Fallon joins Timberlake on stage, like at the Biden festivities? Oh, 90%. greater than 50%. 90%. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, 90%. I feel like it'll just be a nightmare. I mean, you know? the moment Timberlake God. got that call, he texted Fallon and was like, bro, bro, come hang out. And no. Like, oh, God. Oh, Dude, cool. God. Bruh. Okay. Yeah, no. sure. Okay, but what Fallon, Timberlake, or the other Jimmy and Matt Damon? Ooh. Oh my God! What What's a more annoying? Question. What's more irritating? The other Jimmy at the inauguration specifically, or just in general? Just in general. Okay, right? I'm remembering that right. It's Matt it's Damon and Matt Damon and, and Jimmy Kimmel have in their Kimmel, thing. right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Kimmel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's at the inauguration, Kimmel and Damon, d- d- absolutely. I don't know what would happen, <laughs> um, but maybe Jimmy Kimmel could say like two sentences about healthcare, and then Matt Damon could say like two sentences about teachers and then I would be fine. That would be nice. Yeah, it's yeah. better than d- either of them singing, which I, I would yeah. not expect to have happen. Yes. Um, yeah. No. In general, no. I think just because they're slightly less annoying when they're singing, maybe I give the edge to Fallon Timberlake over Kimmel Damon. Oh, because okay. Because the Kimmel Damon, it's just so smug. It's very yeah. smug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very self-serving. The my my actual final answer is Samantha B. Maxine Waters, A plus, or Samantha B. Anyone, frankly, or you know what? Bring back the rundown, Robin Thede and anyone. That's what I want. Amber Ruffin and Tariq. Yes, Amber Ruffin forever because their songs when they sing together, oh, I they crack me up so hard. I please, it won't happen, but I. I would love that. You know we it's want, back, we right? We want so little. Can we yeah, just we, have I that? mean, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see somebody on the internet bitching about how they don't want to pay for Peacock, but they want to watch The Office, like two things. First of all, this is just how it works now. Sorry, pay for the thing you want to watch. Second, you don't pay for Peacock to watch The Office. You pay for Peacock to watch reruns of Murder, She Wrote and The Amber Ruffin Show. There you go. Mm. <laughs> 
Like this, it's very straight. Half of the crossover between Magnum PI and Murder She Wrote, only half, sadly, and then the rest of Murder She Wrote and the Amber Ruffin show, and AP Bio. Yes, and AP Bio. Where is Glenn Howerton's Emmy for like his lifetime of work? Yes. Where is? I ask this like every month on Twitter. <laughs> like, yeah. Where is it? Someone, I'm glad somebody is fighting the good fight. Yeah, perfect. Uh, all right. Other things about this movie. Can we can we go into do people think Sam Riley's performance is bad or do you guys just not like the version of Darcy in this movie or is it both? Hmm. I he doesn't have um for me it's it's the uh I I don't think I I don't think he's got the part of it's probably the writing for what the character gets to go through because he's very like one note let's just kill the shit. Mm-hmm. Um but I also think maybe the direction and the pairing between him and Lily James, like he doesn't, that fight scene that they have when he does his shitty marriage proposal, <laughs> it, there, there wasn't any sort of, it, it didn't feel like he was fighting feelings, like, or that he was like, and obviously being hindered by his, uh, you know, privilege and not understanding actually how to like communicate feelings. Um, it didn't feel, like I just didn't feel anything other than someone who is just angry at the world, knows how to kill zombies, and knows he has to get married, and so he's asking this thing. And I didn't feel any sort of undercurrent hmm. there. Hmm. What my... about you, Julie? I could take him or leave him. He was fine. Um, he was good at once again in this movie. What I really prize over anything is good fight choreography, and he was pretty good at the fighting. He was. Um, I really did like that black weather duster. Not gonna lie, it was hot. Yeah, and he could wear the fuck out of it. So you're right. It's kind of like that gammon Fay thing. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I see you, but not my bag. Like, I a, like, a, like, I like a hairy ass caveman. Like a really yeah. dark Legolas. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Dark yeah. Legolas. Yeah. Yes. Grim yes. dark Legolas. I, yeah. I. Oh. He just wasn't for me. So because, and I think it's probably because just the character of Darcy, I have so firmly, once again, allow me to say, firmly ingrained in my brain based on <laughs> Colin Firth in the A and E BBC PP Nemesis, written by who? I, <laughs> written by noted. Uh, nemesis of Emma Thompson, Andrew Davis. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh. That's not real. That's fake. That's fake. That's fake. I say, we're, I'm speaking to real. another member of the press. This is a fiction. I have not made real. it up. Not real. <laughs> not real. Not real. <laughs> I do think that's a good point, though. I feel like they don't have much sexual chemistry. No. no. Uh, yeah. And no. that's what I want from Darcy is a little bit of that kind of ember of heat at the bottom of a campfire growing into that full flame. Mm-hmm. That's what I need from Darcy and this guy does not do that. You know, and, and, and Julie, it's, sorry, go ahead, Janine. Mm-hmm. No, after you, after you. Um, it's interesting that you say that because I think you helped me pinpoint something here, which is that I think there is one scene in this movie where that happens. And it's also one of the scenes that feels like, Oh, this is the real movie inside the movie. But mm-hmm. it's it, there, everything that Lena Headey does is in yes. that, right? Colin's dancing yes. is in that. There are a couple more, but it's when the first zombie attack happens at the Netherfield Ball. No, mm-hmm. at the Ball at Meriton. Sorry, I have to specify which ball. Um, at the Ball at Meriton. And uh, Darcy is like, not handsome enough to tempt me. No. And then Lizzie kills a zillion zombies. And he goes, actually, her face is rather rather intelligible. The flashing of her dark eyes or whatever the fuck he says. Right. And it's very deadpan. And it's Mm -hmm. like you can see 
you could see on his face, on his slack face, that he is getting a boner. You know what I mean? Like, you can just see it. You're like, oh, okay. Right? It's just like, it's totally deadpan. He cannot comprehend anything other than what he's seeing and the stirrings in his pants. And that, I was like, oh, that's this movie, right? Where he is... His about face on Lizzie is not because he spent more time with her. It's because he watched her kill a bunch of zombies and was like, that's the girl for me. And that is really funny. But then that doesn't really come back. And that's not on him. That's the screenplay. So I think either insufficiency in the screenplay or he was miscast. And then there happened to be one scene where it was like, but I'm not sure you put anybody in that role and make the love story more interesting. The love story is the least interesting thing about this movie. Exactly. I want more on the training. I want the yeah. Shaolin yeah. training. That's yes. what I want. Yes. yes. The fact that yeah. we do not get a lengthy training montage is bullshit. Criminal. And, and like the traveling to China and yeah. like coming back. That's yes. Give me some Batman Begins here. That that's would be so much more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so much more. Again, like, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, okay, so then I would know, like, how the sisters interact and, like, what do they actually value? And are you bringing anything to their personalities that's different from what Austin did? Mm -hmm. But, like, no, they're just all activated slayers and like that's <laughs> what we get like perfect though, that's yeah. so true though, i think mary is about the only character that has some sort of transition uh compared to the books because in this one she was she, she she was on point she was like i get to fucking kill things and be like the best zombie team member yeah mary the overachiever yeah. in zombie land is great yeah. also i just i remain in favor of a hot mary who everybody thinks is dowdy for some other reason that's not that she's not hot i'm very pro hot mary always <laughs> more hot marys every time i just want all of them i i don't know that we'll ever get another one i don't even think mary is in death comes to pemberley no i don't even bad. remember no yeah it's a bummer more. Is that one next? Is that what we're doing? I Are think we that's going what straight you said. from zombies to death? Yeah, I said, <laughs> granted, we were talking about this oh, a while ago. Oh, last week, which obviously this week is still terrifying and shitty, but is less terrifying and shitty than last week. Just slightly. Just slight, or at least less disorienting. Mm -hmm. um, less and then I said, yeah. what do you want to do next, Julie? And you said, well, I feel like we should go from zombies to death. Yeah. So yeah. I'm still good with that. I'm in. I'm fine. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, that means this feels like a, a nice segue to all of our ending crap. Um, that means that with the exception of one probable bonus episode, which is not booked yet, but which is going to be about um, knife garters <laughs> with, oh with a friend of the show, Sweet Nothings NYC, um, if that happens, uh, that will be the end of our coverage on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, at least until we come back for... Darcy Bowl or whatever the hell we're going to call that. Darcy Bowl. Um, oh, he's cannon fodder. Yeah, yeah, he's not making the cut. But but I do think that he's we're going to have rounder. Lena yeah. Headey is going to be a, a dark horse. Yes. 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 Roxana, at the end when we've done all of our up to now Pride and Prejudice adaptations, we are we're doing a um, like an all-star team of Pride and Prejudice and arguing the best of everybody. Uh, and that is that is the context for what we're talking about right now and I think Lena Headey is going to be a real dark horse. Real darkers. And maybe that Mary. Who knows? Hot Mary. <laughs> Hot Mary might really be in the mix. You have some things to pick or choose from. I yeah. mean, you really do. There are so many. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Except that the Collins bracket is just a straight line. Yeah, the Collins bracket is. <laughs> you haven't David seen the Joe Bamber Ray for yet. life. Like <laughs> you've got the New York no Yankees against like farm leagues across the entire country. Yeah, like, that's what yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, the, our ending spiel is really long. So, Roxana, apologies in advance for all of the stuff you're going to listen to in just a second. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, is there anything yes, thank in particular you that you want to plug? Um, nothing I can immediately think of. I have some like TV review stuff coming to Ebert and then something I'm excited about that I'm working on, which is sort of longer term is I'm doing an essay about, uh, the work of Jeremy Saulnier and Green Room and Blue Ruin and Hold the Dark and just how he, it's analyzing like the subversive margins of American society. So that's something I'm working on for Ebert next month, but otherwise, you know, follow me on Twitter. I say lots of dumb things on there so and what is your handle on twitter um it's roxana r-o-x-a-n-a underscore hadadi h-a-d-a-d-i so great yeah um she is a very good twitter follow consistently very funny writes really (laughs) smart things also i know a lot of folks in the drunk slack are running really high on wandavision right now roxana's review of wandavision is a must read it is as i alluded to earlier one of my favorite roxana reviews which is where it's like here are things that are good and here are things that are bad and it's a lot and it's complicated enjoy um so i recommend that review uh thank you you are welcome. Thank you for writing it. Um, that's going to do it for us. You can find us on Twitter at PodlanderCast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast. You can find us on Patreon where you can join the Slack and get access to bonus episodes and sit in on the crowdcasts and do our lunch breaks and all that stuff at Patreon.com slash PodlanderDrunkCast. We want to thank all of our patrons who make it possible for us to do the show, which is expansive but we especially want to thank the following folks and my filter didn't save crap why does this always happen um uh, while i'm doing this because my computer again is very slow it's been a you guys it's it's really been a week um pledge amount uh i will mention that the next thing we're going to be doing is death comes from pemberley which is a mini series which means we are going to be going episode by episode again so the next time we do a crowdcast it will be an episode of death comes to pemberley which means we will all be able to watch it uh if you want to join in with us um and then also we'll be doing an episode per episode just like we did with pp bbc ie nemesis um thank you to all of our patrons especially the following folks <laughs> maddie perkins maxine donner snazzy knack uh nah. julia gulia kathleen martini lauren Tennant, kelsey kemp madison johnson emily day bessie english caitlin reddick ashley tegason tina barnett the other janine Kristen freckled fury amelia bazell liz and tinkerbell stella welch chrissy shively denise perkins claire feeney rachel lazon rochelle lefever amanda smithson heather robbins jerry hurdle Brittany holbert emily carlson amy gusterson rachel townsend steph peterson kelly mazella maria Chantel salters mary the falling statue philip nako tara lucchino viv pickles aka laura mary of the grapefruit jenna polkowski ann gibson Ruth McCormick, Katie Kirshner, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Dr. J, Jen Lander Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda <laughs> Newton, and Kiki the Wise. The wise. Uh, we will be back next week 
to talk about the first episode of Death Comes to Pemberley. You all are great. Roxana, thank you so much. And uh, Thank you. Oh, and this is my last uh, episode recorded in this apartment, so who knows what the hell it's going to sound like next week. It's just gonna, Who knows? It's going to sound like I have an in-unit washer dryer is what it's going to sound like. Hell and that sounds yeah. nice. It says, you're going to hear like a vroom, vroom, vroom in the background, and everyone's going to be like, oh, are you doing laundry? And I'm going to be like, no. no. Hell yeah. I'm d- no, I'm not. I just turned it on. I just, for the, yeah, it's just the dryer. For and giggles. I just wanted to listen to the sound. Uh, bye. 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 bye.